all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We also want to thank Eisenhower Center. It's a brain injury recovery center. Learn more about eisenhowercenter.com. They're located in Michigan and in Florida. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. Contact us if you'd like to be a sponsor on Veterans Radio, and let's move on to our program. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today Lonnie Gadot. Lonnie is a Army veteran. Um, he was in from 2009 to 2012, did uh, tour in Afghanistan, and um, you know had a, had a little more excitement than he bargained for. Uh, now lives in Missouri with a great family. Lonnie, welcome to Veterans Radio. Thank you for having me. Well, let's set this up a little bit. Why did you join the Army? Um, it was not really something I really wanted to do from a childhood standpoint, but I did have some family members that served. And by the time I got to high school, I had a, a cousin that lived with us who was a Marine, and it was very prevalent at that time. So I started getting interested in it in high school. Um, sports was where I had anticipated going and, you know, certain choices in life choose different paths. So it was, I went into the civilian workforce for a little while first, but always kind of felt like I had a calling. 9-11 was very prevalent during my time, um, in high school. So, you know, it made a big impact in my life and, um, just kind of something that I had an inevitable path of going down and finally made the decision to do it and you know it was one of the greatest choices i've ever made well it's always interesting because it, uh, i know you had a couple of uh, grandfathers who served in world war ii you had this cousin who served and and those you know for young men those are often guys you look at and, and you kind of have uh, you know a lot of pride in their service and it helps kind of found your base or foundation for why you think, hey, you know, service is an honorable and worthy thing. And it sounds like that's what was going on in your mind at the time as well. 
my uh, my grandfather being one of the World War II veterans, he I remember seeing pictures in his house as a kid. I remember seeing the folded up flags. He had an artillery shell uh, by the fireplace. There were things like that that I can remember around the house, but nobody ever really talked about his service, but that it was something that he did. And they always regarded him as a great man because of what he did. And so that you're right. It definitely I can vividly remember those moments. So it definitely impacted it. Well, and one of the things we do on Veterans Radio is tell today's veteran stories so that it doesn't just go by the wayside like our grandfathers kind of did because nobody ever talked about it. So that's why we're, we're glad to have you on today. Very true. Very true. Those stories don't get told nearly enough. And when you do, you're amazed by what you hear. And, and what I want to talk about a little bit is not so much what happened in Afghanistan, but what you've done afterwards. Um, but you got to Afghanistan in, in uh, 2010, and shortly, you know, we all know that Afghanistan was uh, IED central, um, and, and unfortunately, you were a, a victim slash survivor of a couple of IED attacks, one impacting, uh, you know, a traumatic brain kind of injury in September of 2010, and a, and a worse, if you will, in some ways, uh, IED uh, accident in March of 2011, uh, where you lost your your right leg. Uh, obviously, very defining moments in in your uh, young life, um, and kind of forced you into uh, reevaluating or figuring out how the hell do am I going to get through all this? So, you know, without uh, dwelling on either of those uh, IED incidences, you know, why, why don't you tell us a little bit of the story? Well, um, it's funny that you would word it as one as a brain injury and the other one more dramatic as I would actually define them the opposite way. Um, the first one, I took less damage um, and I had a buddy who lost uh, three limbs and another individual who lost two limbs in that explosion. And the the catastrophe from it was much more damaging to um, us as a unit. And visually, it was a lot to take in. And it was I wasn't there, but just die of a month. And, you know, we got thrown into a real serious situation real fast. And all things considered it turned out well but i had to spend some time in kandahar um kind of collecting your thoughts so to speak uh, they want to make sure you're okay to go back to duty so i had some time to process uh, that ordeal and then fast forward to my second one um that's when i actually lost my leg and i don't think that that one <laughs> was as um i i think i gained more from losing my leg then i actually lost by you know the flesh being taken from me and a lot of people wouldn't look at things that way but um having gone through what i did and experienced what i did and over the years like i can't look back on that particular moment and not think that all of it is a direct result of of losing the actual leg so the the second incident, you know, funny as it may be, I don't really define it as the more catastrophic one. Interesting, interesting. And and you you discharged out of the army in uh, August of 
2012, and I assume that period from March of 2011 to August of 2012 was all focused on, uh, you know, recovery and rehab and surgeries and all of that other stuff. Tell, tell us a little bit about that, because it's the setup for, if you will, the second chapter of life, which is pretty damn good. Very true. Very true. Um, so I went to uh, San Antonio, Texas for the uh, CFI, which is the Center for Intrepid for my rehab, which is an amazing facility. Um, uh, if people who are listening, if you don't know about it, look into it. It's great. Uh, that's where I did my rehab. And a lot of guys were coming back with pretty much the same injuries pretty rapidly. Um Leg injuries were common. Uh, guys with two limbs missing were more common than we would expect. And then you would occasionally see someone with a triple amputation, and that's that's pretty tough. So I, I say all of that because it kind of fills in why my rehab was a bit different than theirs. Um, when I first got there, I was one of the last ones to kind of come through with an amputation there were still gunshot wounds coming through and stuff but but things had kind of started slowing down as far as the rate of soldiers coming back um and as i'm rehabbing i i was very fortunate i didn't have a lot of the setbacks that people have there's ho which is a bone regrowth um you know, some people get these extremely painful neuropathies that won't allow them to progress into their prosthetics. There's just, there's any number of issues that could arise. And I was fortunate. Um, the only real setback I had was when they removed my stitches, a little part of the wound kind of opened up. And so that had to just kind of heal from the inside out on its own. It wasn't really a big deal. It just slowed it by about three weeks. Um, at that point, I could start kind of, I could do things before I even got the prosthetic with the, the wound care still, but I wasn't really doing um, like super active things. But I was noticing that it's not that I was being neglected at the, the rehab facility, but there were people that just needed more care and there weren't enough therapists to do the jobs. So naturally, they would get the care. And how dare I sit there with one leg and complain about someone who's missing three limbs needing help. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I never really, I never really got mad about it. I just said, well, I'm going to have to do something if I want to do something in the future. And I did have a good therapist. He did help me, but his focus had to be with the ones that needed more care. And he would set me up, get me started. And then he would just kind of leave me to it. And then I, um, I don't like sucking at things, so <laughs> it, it, it's very hard for me to do something and just not be good at it. And if I'm not good at it, well, I just – I have to do it more until it's just – it doesn't have to be perfect, but I should be able to do it. It's, it's, ad, so, it's attitude, isn't it? Absolutely. It's it's all a matter of how bad do you want something, and if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. And, and I didn't want to be stuck in the chair. I didn't want to be stuck – um, not being who I wanted to be in any, in any sense of whatever that might be. And in uh, your, and in your mind, because you mentioned it briefly and it's important going forward, you were this athletic competitive kid. Very much so. And in uh, your mind during this rehab, you're thinking about what I, what I want to do because of what I've done. Right. And one of the first things that was brought to me while I was in rehab was actually golf and I had played golf in high school and I like golf. It's just, it's not, 
it's not um, high impact uh, fast enough for me. I do enjoy the sport, but it's not. It wasn't where I wanted to be at at the time. You needed a little more adrenaline pumping. Correct. You know, I just come back and, you know, I, I, I would come back from an aggressive job and and I was an aggressive person prior to it. So I just needed to get back on my figuratively speaking feet and and get moving. So there, there's also the money. before we jump into and and sure. uh, the the, uh, the secret that uh, Lonnie and I know is that uh, he was he's part of Louisville Slugger Warriors, an amputee softball team. Uh, he and I met down in uh, Benita uh, Springs, Florida. Uh, got together by an Air Force veteran and a great uh, supporter of uh, all things veterans, uh, Bob Gillette. So I know where the adrenaline and the competition had to go to, but I don't want to gloss over. This was this is hard both physically and mentally, and mentally. A lot of guys struggle with post-traumatic stress or depression and thoughts of suicide. I mean, there's both components to this recovery, isn't there? A hundred percent. Physically, physically, we can do so much more than what we'll allow ourselves to do because mentally we are weak. And, and we allow ourselves to think it's hard and to think it can't be done. And from get-go, I never got mad about my injury. It was just kind of a, well, what next? Like, how do I do from here? And and it wasn't, uh, everybody says it's glass half empty, glass half full. There's always two perspectives to things, yin and yang. You know, that's that's always true. But you can, and I always looked at the injuries as this way. You can either define the injury or you can let the injury define you. And I refuse to be defined by missing a leg. I was going to show what I could do. I just didn't know how. Well, one of the things you got introduced to, you mentioned golf, but you also got into softball and powerlifting and things like that. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about the softball. So right before I had started playing the softball, I had kind of started back with Marine, I transitioned out of the military injury. I got um, hooked up with a, a, a former Marine who had started like a CrossFit gym. And it was more than anything. I just wanted to be able to figure out how to move better on my prosthetic. I was not very agile yet. I wanted to be, but I just didn't have it. And he took the time to, uh, and this was, I, I, I can't thank the guy enough free of charge. He just helped me get mobile. He let me stretch and he just did so much with me before I even knew I wanted to do any of that stuff. Um, and while I was doing that, I had a whim of someone, um, one of my buddies from service had actually started playing for the softball team and I had heard about it and was at a friend's house and saw good morning America. And they were the softball team was on the news channel, and I was like, hey, that's what I was just talking about. And like two days later, I get a phone call from David Van Sleet about that very softball team. And what had interested me was that there was a guy who was missing two legs, and he was running full speed in the outfield. Like, it was... How the hell is he doing that is what you thought. (laughs) Right. I'm like, okay, I've got a prosthetic, and I've only got one of them, and nobody told me we could do that. Like, I have not been shown that. And like, what, how do I figure out how to get there? 
And then lo and behold, I get a phone call from the guy who set all of this up, who runs the stuff. Um, okay. and hey, Lonnie, let me jump in here because I want to connect yeah, some yeah, dots. Please. I want to connect some dots for folks. And this, we're, we're talking to Lonnie Gadet, Army veteran, um, who's made the most of everything and and won't give up. But but along the way, you got to have some help. And you just mentioned a Marine who, who had a CrossFit gym and David Van Sleet with the Louisville Slugger Warriors. I mean, in in some regards, all of us have to be helping. Uh, our veterans in whatever little thing we can do because we don't know uh, where that might take us and I'm sure none of these guys you know uh, got anything out of it other than the joy of just helping somebody out so as you went through your recovery and got to where you are today there's a whole lot of friends family but battle buddies uh, strangers uh, who have done something that really has helped along the way aren't there those kind of people you couldn't be more correct one of my biggest things that i preach to people because um with with the leg and people see that you know i don't like to pat myself on the back but people will come up and say you're such an inspiration because of abc whatever the reason may be and usually the first thing out of my mouth is no man is an island I understand and I appreciate that you see where I have gotten and and I, I respect that recognition. But let me tell you about all the people who have helped me get to this place of peace and excellence, because it's never just me. And it, it, that has always been true from the beginning of this process. It's just people that have stepped up when I couldn't figure out what to do next. They just pieced it along for me and got me to where I am. And, and you've earned the right to give a little uh, life advice to people who may be feeling depressed, hopeless, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And it sounds like part of that life advice is to to reach out and accept that kind of help or say, hey, I kind of need, geez, I'd like to get introduced to this. How do I do that? It, it sounds like your outgoing enough to actually you know use that in your recovery process <laughs> yeah my wife makes me outgoing enough um she has forced me to become much more outward than i am because she says that i need to tell people more and 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 she's right because oh don't admit that their, their heads get well, so <laughs> so big hey, when hey, you hey, do hey, that hey. You know what? She's right because I was one of those people that was everybody looks at me and says, that's a tough guy. There's no way he needs help. And I remember going, man, I don't know what to do. I wish somebody would help me. And and if people don't know that the guys that they think are but I thought I was superhuman. I never thought I could be hurt or anything like that until guess what? One, I, I figured, you know what? I might die in war, but I never thought I might lose something and have to figure all of that out. So that was never a question to even think about. So having to relearn all of that is they don't see all of the backstory. They see the success and they see you keep climbing and climbing and climbing. But there was a lot of times where I didn't want to do it. And she would say, you know what? You need to put yourself out there. And every time I did, someone would come by and say, you know what? Thank you for doing that because I didn't know that that you experienced that and I didn't know how to get past it. But because you did, well, it shouldn't be. I, I should be able to do it, too. You know, uh, I think you just gave another or maybe it's your wife who gave another 
pearl of wisdom here, which which is uh, even tough guys need help. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't care what they say. No man is an island. I, I, one of the things that uh, you know you've focused on exercise and sports as a way to get through some of the you know valleys uh, in life mentally and and to push yourself as far as you can go physically. I, I know you're in. Talk to us a little bit about what you're doing in sports and in fitness and nutrition uh, at the moment, Lonnie. Well, currently, um, it's been it's been a personal journey for myself. Um, is is the fitness side of it? The softball, um, you know, it really got me going and it it, it lit a fire in me. Um, but you know, I've got kids, and and it's hard to travel and play softball and be for them when they've got a sporting event every night of the week. So it, things just kind of started to shift, and I started to find the gym as that outlet of. It wasn't the physical um, demand of the gym. It was the mental clarity I was getting from it. I am a very spiritual, religious person. God has had a, a wonderful hand on the direction of my life. And I know that's not for everybody. So I don't typically focus on that whenever I have conversations. But you can still talk about the spiritual aspect of the clarity that you get when you do those types of things. So that's what the gym has been for me is it's a place where I can go and I can work out all of those demons. I can be as angry as I want. I can throw things if I need to. And, and I can, in a sense, destroy myself and, and make myself feel like, honestly, it's when I feel the most alive because I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that's hard and I'm accomplishing it. And so I've gone on and I've started doing bodybuilding competitions and I have, I've gotten my personal, uh, trainer certificate certification and a buddy, um, of mine locally has a building and another friend of mine that I actually served with lives local. And the three of us have kind of gone together into opening a gym for personal training, but it's not really like a commercial gym so what we want to do is just help people get better um and whatever that means if if it means being able to stand up and walk 10 steps today because you couldn't do that yesterday well let's help you and you've got two veterans that like we we've just got a lot of life experience and and it's a passion project so more so than anything it's been fueled by us just wanting to help people get better for themselves be better tomorrow than you are today so you've mentioned it and we've danced around it a little bit i've made a little fun of it but uh it's too important to uh maybe not uh, come back and touch on and and that's the importance for you and for so many guys i talk to uh the family the role of the family and and uh, you got uh injured in in 2012 but uh, or discharged i should say in 2012 and in 2020 got married uh, you've got three kids, two girls, a boy. You you kind of alluded to all the sporting events. Um, talk to us about uh, you know being the dad in the moment for these kids and and for you, your wife. Well, and believe it or not, we've got one on the way. Uh, due date of February first. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. Um, it's exciting, uh, but this, you know ironically losing my leg has allowed me to step into a role that I never 
foresaw for myself is I kind of spin more of a stay at home dad role these days with the freedom of schedule that I have with the gym and everything. My wife is an occupational therapist, so she's quite busy with where she works at the hospital. And, um, but it allows me to, to do things with my kids that I wouldn't have been able to, to do before. So the, the injury has, has provided an, an avenue, so to speak. And I get to, <laughs> I I get to be present for everything that my children do. I I run them everywhere they need to be. And they have learned more from me having the injury than I probably could have ever taught them had I not, because I've learned how to be a more patient person. So that translates to them. I've learned how to look at things in different perspectives because of this and because of what I've gone through. So again, these are lessons that, I mean, I was 25 learning them on my own and, and here I am able to give them, give these lessons to them when they're 10, eight and, and 16. And it's just hopefully that they'll see the world in a different light and realize that it's, it's not weakness to need help. It's it's strength when you can rely on others and actually come together and do things. So the family role is not something that I had anticipated, but I don't I don't I don't see how things would be any different. I wouldn't want them to be. Well, you're you you certainly are and we've we've talked about this when we were together. You know, you're really a lucky man. You've got a great wife, you got this great family unit, and every, and you appreciate sort of the rarity or the beauty of that and i think sometimes it's easy to um what what do they say you hurt the ones you love right you you, if you're if you're depressed and you're feeling hopeless and everything else who do you beat up on the most well you beat up on your family yeah the ones around us end up wearing that more than anything and so you're you're really uh, you know have gone through this and approaching it and saying i want to make sure i don't do that and you know Let's be fair. I'm not free of those struggles. My my children have seen um, anger from me in moments that 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 don't need to be. Um, just just simple outbursts that can happen just from silly things. But I have to remind myself that it's not fair for them to not understand what's going on in my head. So I try to bring it back to them and and explain that you know. It's not. It's never an excuse, and and I, I hope to not sound like I'm making it as one. But that, that there is something that causes the outbursts, and I have to be better at recognizing before it happens, so that I can remove myself from those situations, so as to not end up inevitably exploding. And and it's it's a learning process still. So hopefully that they're learning still from that, and they can learn to deal throughout life as well yeah you got to break that cycle of anger and triggers and know it's a trigger and say okay (laughs) okay don't let that become the trigger where i end up throwing stuff or i should save the throwing stuff until i go to the gym give me a second and 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 explain to them guys like i'm just you know like and it's not i don't mean to say that i'm just screaming at them or anything by any means just, you know, we get angry in, in the things we do and we get frustrated in the things we do and we can have these outbursts and, and, a, and an eight-year-old doesn't understand that. They right, just, right. they see, ah, dad's mad. And 
It's like, well, I'm not really mad. I'm just frustrated. Well, why are you frustrated? Well, why do you seem so upset all the time? And then you bring it all back to say, well, hey, these are some things that dad has had to deal with in his life. And it's caused me to be um, in a state of mind that I didn't realize I was getting to. And guys, I'm going to have to step back. I've had to, to step I've had to withdraw myself and, and, you know, not like from a violent situation or anything, but say, you know what, I need to actually go start seeing a counselor again because I'm starting to notice myself not talking with you guys. Well, that goes, that goes back to what you said earlier, Lonnie, about how, you know, you had some grand grandparents, fathers in World War II, but nobody ever talked about it. And certainly our, our brethren from Vietnam era, they never talked about it. And, and right. that wasn't that wasn't the right way to handle it. So I'm glad uh, that you, you recognize that and are working with that as it, you know, creeps up on you every now and again. Um, I, I know as a family man, you got some obligations coming up. I told you we'd keep you on schedule here so that you can uh, uh, get out and do that. I do really appreciate you being so candid and, and trying to pass along to veterans radio listeners so some of the life lessons that you've learned and how you've turned your service and, and injuries in Afghanistan in, into real positive stuff and recognize uh, uh, the help that you needed and the people who've given it to you over the, over the years. So, Lonnie, thanks for t- spending a little time with us today. Jim, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fossone. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by going to veteransradio.net. And until next time, You are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, nvbdc.org, Eisenhower Center. VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan, VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor, and the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. They keep us on the air, as does your support. Go to Facebook, go to veteransradio.net, and support our efforts. And until next time, You are dismissed.